Well, this week on Reliving the Extreme, we are discussing the episode of ECW from February the 6th, 1996. Nate Maxson, your host here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello, everybody. And Mr. Chad Austin. This take two. <laughs> take two. Well, I was hoping Aaron's audio was going to work, because actually, before we went on the air, Chad and I kind of monopolized the conversation, so Aaron didn't even get to say anything. So I was hoping that once we went on the air, his audio would be working. So. Yeah, he popped it's, in a little it's, bit it's working, as far as I know. Well, I had a question that I wanted to ask before we start talking about this episode of ECW, because this week, or this past week as we're recording, I guess it was, um, Joe Biden, I'm sorry, Ric Flair, showed up on AEW to have a little segment with Sting. And they're going to have Sting going on kind of a retirement tour. And I, I don't think we've ever, obviously, because it's ECCW, sometimes I know we delve into other things, but I don't think we've ever really discussed him on the show with his career wrapping up and being so long. I just wanted to see what you guys' general impressions are of Sting and his career. You know, are you fans? Are you, what do you think? Because I mean, if if you look at it, he's had almost a forty year career for Christ's sake. <clears throat> well, so have I. <laughs> there you go. I um, me, I, I never was a fan. Not from day one. I I mean, not even in the UW. I mean, maybe in the UWF. Maybe, maybe he was probably all right. He was all right. Never, not a fucking single day was I. Oh, fuck. Dang, Jesus Christ. I mean, no, it, it, was, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't for me, you know. I don't know. Aaron, what do you think? Um, I think he should have just, how do I say it? When WCW shut down, and I know guys that to make money and be in the business and do their thing or whatever. But to me, it's like his career ended for me when it WCW closed because like TNA, I didn't really watch it much. And I just, it, it just continued to be the same thing over and over and over again with him. And TNA was a money grab. Yeah. And, and I think the crazy thing is I think he went there thinking I'll go in here. I'll sign a year. I'll get some money out of these people. And then it's, they just kept throwing money at him. And how are you not going to say no? But like I said, I just think to me, once WCW ended, that's when Sting ended for me. That WWE, that WWE run was a disaster. And it's just... To, to me, it's almost like anything I did like about him, it just kind of ended. And then when I saw him do... Fucking that shit with Orange Cassidy on AEW. I was like, all right, I'm done with this guy. Oh, I don't even think I even seen that. All right, it's a bag of washer, a lid and dryer. I gotta go out here, call my kids, and call Renee. I never called her. But anyway, um, but yeah, I think I, I I I I see what Aaron's saying about Sting's career. Um, I I honestly. I don't know, because, I mean, you can make the case for the WCW Crow run with the NWA when he was in the Crow outfit, but I honestly think his career might have been better off had he 
uh, jump to the WWF when Hogan went to WCW because I think he could have had a more substantial run in the WWF if he would have went when he was earlier in life. By the time he got there, Vince doesn't look at that guy in any way, shape, or form as a WWE guy. You know, he's just some relic. To Vince, he's just some relic from the past of another company he fucking put out of business. So what does he care about fucking Sting and his presentation or whether he wins or loses in the WWE? He didn't give a shit about Sting. In my opinion, he he had probably... In his whole entire run, or just say I'll even include TNA, but I'm basically saying WCW. He could have jumped at any time during that run, and it would have been, and he would have been a big fucking, a big name, a big star. Mm-hmm. At any time during that, but like then, like you know, and then at the end of the day, when he did, he was like sad old thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it was, yeah. Sad, 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 sad mime sting. <laughs> yeah, it was like you, like nobody at that point, nobody really cared because everybody had already seen thirty-seven years of of, uh, of sting. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't <laughs> like they couldn't have done anything new. Then there's that classic story with uh, Aaron. I know you know the story with Scott Hall at WrestleMania when Triple H was going to wrestle Sting. Yeah. Um, they were practicing or whatever and like dude, getting timing down and everything. And like, um, it was the one where the NWO came out and DX came out and. For one, that made no fucking sense. Why is the NWO coming out to help staying at WrestleMania? But whatever. Um, I mean, they could have let Luger be there. They had a ramp. But um, the uh, thing is, like, Nash and Hall, the Nash said him and Hall were, like, standing on the apron as they're going over the match. And Hunter's like, yeah, then NWO will come out and the DX will come out. We'll do this. We'll do that. You'll go for the Stinger Splash. I'll end up hitting you with the sledgehammer and the pedigree and then one, two, three. And Scott Hall looked at Kevin Nash and was like, Sting needs to get a better fucking lawyer. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like your first fucking match in this company and you're going to get a fucking <laughs> sledgehammer. Pedigree, yeah, pet, pedigree <laughs> one, two, three, brother. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, behind closed doors. We all know what that meant, right? That was the that was the final nail on WCW. That was yeah, it. yeah. I mean, that's behind closed doors. Because if you if you look if you look at WWE two thousand two through two thousand four, Triple H pretty much beat the entire WCW roster. And then he, that one that was left that he didn't get to beat yet was Sting. So then come twenty fucking sixteen or fifteen or whatever, he's like. Finally got the motherfucker. <laughs> Pedigree, one, two, three. <laughs> like, imagine, just imagine uh, um, if Jerry Lawler was booking that at the time. Or Jerry Jarrett was booking that at the time. This thing would have been there for 18 months. You know? And they would have had fucking, not even, like, not, not saying they wouldn't have touched. But they would have had angles building up to a match. 
No comeback either, brother. No comeback. <laughs> no, nothing at all. Like he wouldn't even roll Monday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess now that we talked about it, like I said, I just with the whole retirement thing coming up with him, and I when I saw that he was retiring, I thought, oh well, okay, he's retiring, and then I th- I got to thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, he said like. He's had a career that's, if you think about it, it's almost as long as Terry Funk's in-ring career was. And I got to but thinking about that, near, and I was like... Near as good. Oh, no, no, not in any way, shape, or form is it as good. But I just was thinking of time, of like the length of his run or length of his career, like, you know, he just, he's had a really long career and doesn't really have a whole lot to show for it. You could almost, you could almost make a claim that he was stealing checks for, I don't know... 15, 20 years of that. You know what I'm saying? Just stealing them. You figure, I don't know, if, if, if you consider 86 through 91, okay. That's what, five, six years that he worked his ass off, made good money, established himself. 90, 92, 95, you know, he kind of slowed down. He had bigger matches, you know, but didn't work as much. And then after that, he just became fucking the guy who bought a ticket. Sat in the fucking, he, he bought a cheap seat. Even. He didn't buy a the ticket cheapest, to yeah. He bought the cheapest seat. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there you go. How much money did he actually make in the business? He couldn't even buy a fucking front yeah, row I bought, ticket. I, I bought the cheapest and seat in the building and I'm bringing my bird. <laughs> and TNA, like, nobody, nobody saw that. Even I never saw that, and I watched fucking everything. I just didn't like where I live at. I, I don't get, and I don't get TNA, and very seldom did I ever get TNA unless it was on a national platform. So Sting didn't mean shit to me, like where I, you know, in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But when he when, when he came here, when he came here for the um, icons of wrestling thing or whatever. This motherfucker, he charged like twenty five thousand dollars. I, 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 I might be a lowballer. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just throwing out a number, right? Twenty five thousand dollars an hour for him to show up. But if you wanted him to put the face paint on, it was an extra ten thousand dollars. What the fuck do I want you to show up looking like? You know what I mean? Just fucking beach bum fucking sting, you know what I mean? Like, what, what, what I, think? <laughs> I mean, I, I would expect if I, if I was going to pay fucking Diesel, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing out a name, Diesel. I would want him to show up with the fringe fucking leather paint, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever your gimmick is. Bushwhacker Luke, who probably wears that shit every day anyway, so it wasn't going to be a hard sell. But you know what I'm saying? But he's like, well, if you want me to show up as Sting, an extra ten thousand dollars. Yeah, well, the convention. Well, yeah, like the- when he was in Fort Wayne, when he was in Fort Wayne at a convention here, they he was I think it was like two hundred and fifty bucks just for like a picture. 
then if you wanted him to sign something, it was X amount, you know, and, and I know a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're paying him so much. So the promoter has to recoup some shit too, but it was fucking ridiculous. And, and on top up, of like, that, on top of that, they had him set up like behind a big black thing to, to drape him off from the rest. Of, so you couldn't even, you couldn't even see him unless you paid to get into that little part of the building to see him. It's like, come on. They, they, did, they did the same thing here in Baltimore. Like, 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 um, when I was, when I was milling around, like, I, you know, I, I got in for free and I was milling around talking to guys and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was hoping it was like fucking Denny Brown or something. And I walked over and I was like, what the fuck is this line for? Oh, it's Sting. It was like 240 bucks. Like for, to get, to, to get what? Like to say hi to him? You know what I mean? That's pretty much what it was. Because I mean, you get you get one thing signed. It, it, it costs you like like two hundred bucks to meet it. But then anything you wanted to get signed, that cost extra. Another hundred dollars. You know? And I'm thinking like, what the fuck, dude? How pompous is this guy? <laughs> is that fucking Jerry Seinfeld for Christ's sake? Yeah, I got. I got Bob Backlund's autograph on a magazine cover for 20 bucks. And then he, he talked my face off for 25 minutes. Like he wasn't like, move along, pal. I mean, me and Bob, ba I think Aaron had to pull me away from Bob Backlund. Like let, let my brother go, Bob Backlund. <laughs> cool as fuck though. Bob Backlund was cool as shit, man. When I met him. Dude, we've all, we've all had that Bob Backlund moment. <laughs> I, I, so you gotta I, get I, away I, from Bob Backlund. I want to meet Tracy Smothers before he leaves. Come on, <laughs> Jesus I Christ! Thought, I thought fucking Bob Backlund was fucking. I thought Bob Back like Bob Backlund tried to recruit me to like be his like to like I don't know honestly to tell you the truth I don't know what he wanted to recruit me to be. <laughs> like like he, he was asking me my date, like what what dates that I had and stuff, and I'm like, dude, I don't have any of these dates. Oh well, I can get you both. Like, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, but you're, you're going, you're going way too far north for me. You know what I'm saying? You're going, you're going way out of my, out of my area and stuff. I and mean, I, I, if you can't, if I, if I can't get guaranteed pay, I'm not going. Oh, I got you, I got you. And I'm thinking like, yeah, I don't know what I'm getting set up for here. <laughs> and I, I even, I even talked to one of the guys in the locker room. They're like, no, just, just stay there. <laughs> you're just you're just gonna wind up you're just gonna wind up stranded in Utica. <laughs> Fuck yeah! I was gonna end up just driving Bob Backlund all around, and I'm like, dude, there's only so much Bob Backlund I can take. <laughs> I mean, you're only champion for five and a half years, dude. Yeah, and, and you didn't even take a world flyer when you were the champion. <laughs> well, yeah, getting it. Getting into our subject at hand, which is ECW. Like I said, this is February 6, 1996. We open the show with Raven and his new uh, piece of ass, Komodo Wanalega. And uh, he says, you know, he's 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 got a new love in his life, et cetera, et cetera. You know, kind of alluding that it might be Kimona. But of course, the real new love of his life is his ECW championship belt. Kimona, I mean, you guys know the story about Kimona, right? Like who she was? 
Mm, I don't know if I do. No, you, apparently you do. <laughs> she was a stripper at a club in New York that all the boys went to and all about their day. And, and she had, like, she had zero, none, none experience whatsoever in the wrestling business. They just thought that because she was Asian looking. And, I, and personally, to me, I don't even think she was even that hot, to tell you the truth. But for some reason, they fucking loved her, man. Because she would just, she would do anything. But fuck, you give her an Asian $20, you know, shit. You can get a lot done. I don't know where you guys are from and what hell it works in your guys' town, but here in Baltimore, $20 to an Asian gets you a lot long way. <laughs> Especially if you get a fucking Uber and you get an Uber Asian. Yeah, Uber Asian. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? That that's that's all fucking Kimono was, dude. She was just a stripper. And she says she didn't have any experience. Did she even I mean I don't know how well you knew her or whatever, but her story or was she even a fan? Like was she even a wrestling no. or was no? No, no, not at all. Not, not at all. Nothing. Zero. Zippy. Just just there to look Asian. And she's like, yeah, Paul Paul must have ran to her at the China Club or some shit. Hey, I got a I got a job for you, you know, you know, an angle. You know what I mean? That's how that shit works. And that that sucks for a lot of guys that are talented. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a lot of guys that deserve spots like that or whatever. And you, you just run into a hot girl and all of a sudden yeah, she's on top. Yeah. I'm doing my Scotty. Yeah. He's hot. Yeah. Well, well, put her with me. Yeah, 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 Paul. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know that was. You know he drove that angle hard. Yeah, 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 yeah Paul. We'll put her with me. She's hot. Yeah, you know, you know. Uh, yeah. Are you paying for a hotel? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you pay for her. You good? You good? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Kimono was fucking a turd. We start the actual show proper off with the ECW debut of Juventud Guerrera, Juvi versus Rey Mysterio. And so my question that I wrote down here is, <clears throat> just really quick, just a quick answer or a long answer, whatever kind of answer you guys want to give. Who gave, who do you think Ray had better matches with, Juvi or Psychosis? Psychosis. Ooh. Um. Well, the uh, the reason why you're saying psychosis is because Inner Psychosis had more matches previously, like together. Him and Hoobie had. I I I, went, I actually went back and I looked, and him and Hoobie, um, they were a lot of times they were teammates, not opponents. So they didn't have nowhere near as many matches against each other as they did with each other as partners. So I, I guess I guess you're right in a sense by saying psychosis, because you know. Th but the problem with the psychosis match was that that they did the same exact match in Tijuana, um, you know, forty five times. 
Like, I've seen it. I've seen that match a, a, mil, a million, a, a hundred times, probably. And I've seen Ray and Ruby probably about maybe 20 times. But Brandon well, plus, I'm not a, plus, I'm not a huge fan of Ruby anyway. I just never really did it for me. I just don't like the guy. But Ruby? But the little girl? He's a fucking girl. I'll tell you a fucking story. My buddy went to the fucking gym one time and Hoobie was there. And my buddy was working out and he told me, he texted me, he's not even a wrestling fucking fan. He just knew who he was. And he just said, Hoobie Two's here at the gym working out. And I go, oh yeah? He goes, yeah, but he's not working out. I said, what's he doing? He goes, he's just standing in front of the mirror. <laughs> like just posing. I'm the juice. I'm the juice. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, like, oh, like he's the whiz. And um, and I go, so what? What are you saying? He's like, well, I don't know because I'm not a wrestling guy, but he's not working out. I think he's looking for. Um, I think he's looking for partners. And guess who he left with? Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Bob Orton. Oh my God! Ahmed Johnson would split Uvi in half. <laughs> like I, I died when I died when um when he said Bob Orton Senior. Because I'm like, what? Because that was when Bob Orton came back. Like that, I don't know what 2000 and what seven, eight, nine, whatever that year. Yeah, was. yeah. When he did the stuff with Undertaker. Yeah, I guess it was, and then. And he's like, yeah, who be left with Bob Orton Sr.? And I'm like, oh, my God. He's getting this superplex from Bob Orton Sr. in the back of a Bronco? There's a uh, pair I didn't expect. No shit. I got, I got you know, it, it, like, I, I would have I not have believed it if one of you two fucking jabronis would have told me this. But it was somebody who's not a wrestling fan. Who just knew enough about wrestling to call me and tell me. And like, Ruben Guerrero left the gym after posing in the mirror for like an hour with Bob Orton Sr. <laughs> and then he said that, that Bob put a towel over him because he was all oiled up. I was like, all right, well, I, that's enough for me. I, I, know, I know where it's one too. Foggy windows. <laughs> what the fuck, man? The wrestling business. Uh, God bless you, Ace. <laughs> anyway. And who would have thought, dude? Right? Seriously. <laughs> the match itself is just, you know, it's it's extreme, quote-unquote, extreme lucha. You know, they're doing crazy stuff with chairs, et cetera, et cetera. All the shenanigans, as we like to now refer to it as. Um, and Ray wins the match with a Hurricane Rana off the top rope. Did either of you guys have any notes specifically on anything you wanted to mention that stood out from the match itself? Well, there, there's nothing that I wanted to, to mention that stood out for the match itself. But one of the things that Joey said that reminded me of something that was going on at the time 
was when I looked at the date of the show was the storm that we had in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where ECW was the day before that show. I, I wasn't on it. And that's probably why I wasn't on it, because of the storm. But where I lived at, we had 17 inches of snow. And, and it came overnight. So I, I was just wondering if these guys were snowed in, were they snowed in overnight, you know? Right. How they got Philadelphia from where they were, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's something that I would love to look back into and figure out how they got there. Because I do remember that storm in 96 where, like, you guys probably got it first, right? But you're probably, you don't even remember it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know, I know a couple of, a couple of times in the, in the late 90s. I mean, I would have been, what, like a junior in high school at that point. But I can remember not having to go to school and stuff during that school year because we had a, a huge snow snowstorm. So it's probably the same one you're talking about. Oh, dude, we, we, we were all for like two weeks. Like I said, it was like 17 inches, like at one time, just boom, just dropped it over you. You know, and that, that's the reason why I wasn't up at that, at, at that show. Plus, it was in New York. So I wasn't doing that show anyway. But yeah, we had, it was a major snowstorm. So I would have loved to have known where, like, you know, guys like Ruby. Ray and all where they were at the day before, you know, coming from Tijuana or you know, or coming from wherever in Mexico, like where the weather is so fucking great, where they come up here and they're stranded somewhere. They they they, they would have had to have been stranded somewhere, you know, at some point. There's mm-hmm. no way, unless they were in, unless they were in the state, in the city, you know, a, a day before the storm. Aaron, any comments on the match? Uh, it was just a basic lucha match. I thought. I mean, it wasn't anything bad. It just was there, and um, it was a decent debut for Uvi. But I mean, usually when a guy debuts, I'd rather see him get a win. But I mean, it, who else is he going to fight other than Ray? I mean, they could have put him in there with the Puerto Rican or something. But I just, it was just there. Well, you know why you know why they put Ray over. I mean, because Ray was staying, who he wasn't. Well, I get it. I mean, I'm not saying like you know that Uvi should have beat Ray. I just think like this maybe should have been Uvi's second match. Like maybe give him a win and then have him fight Ray. Oh, I I, I totally agree. I would have had um, at some point. I would have had Uvi had beaten Ray. Okay. 
I was just trying to look up to kind of see to see where because that that snowstorm in 96 was it it started on January 6th and ran till January 8th of 1996 and the ECW crew ECW crew would have been just off house party so they're just they're going in between it looks like in between Philadelphia and Queens in those in that in the, during that week so imagine Hoobie stranded in Queens he's looking for Bob Orton senior well, who knows who he's looking for <laughs> Uh, like, like, were they playing a game of hide and seek? Or Bob Orton just got up in the morning and said, Who's going to find me? Yeah, who knows who the fuck who was. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a bad snowstorm. I, I, I remember because I was stranded at, at a friend's house for like seven or eight days. And he was the first friend of mine that I knew that had like a kegerator. Like, like it was me and another guy and, and my buddy that lived there, and we were stranded there. And we're like, dude, what are we gonna do for beer? And he's like, dude, I got a kegerator and a full keg of beer there. So we just stayed there for a couple of days, and then when we killed that keg, we just journeyed out. You know, like fucking, we were in fucking um, Empire Strikes Back and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like walking through the snow. Trying to, you know, going out looking for beer, but yeah, I mean, that that's how that's how it was that year. I mean, that's how it was here. So I can imagine how it was then, <clears throat> and that's the reason why I probably wasn't there. Mm -hmm. well, the next thing we see on this show is Joey Styles back at the uh, arena discussing the fact that at the next ECW. Arena show, it's going to be Shane Douglas versus Cactus Jack, friend, former friends facing off against each other. And then we get a fun promo from Cactus and Mikey Whipwreck, which is always entertaining, but this was this was particularly fun. Yeah, Mike had his Mr. Potato Head and um, said that he trusts, tr Mikey's the only guy he trusts and he wants him to go to the WWF so they can wrestle his smoking guns in Madison yeah. Square Garden. And Mikey's just like, I like it here. I, I don't like <laughs> yeah. And I love that Jack's just like randomly like, hey, Mikey, would you kill somebody for me? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jack. <laughs> I, I honestly didn't think it was that great. No, I, I liked this one. I liked this one. I mean, it, it was okay. But I, I mean, but I, I, I don't, I definitely don't have the same emotion that you guys have. I was like, yeah, all right. It was okay. I, I just didn't think it was that great. I don't know why. Don't don't ask me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick it apart, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like like in my opinion, there something wasn't there. Whether it was the emotion or I, I don't know what it was. It's just to me I was just watching it going, all right, yeah, all right, all right, all right enough. Where's Joe McHugh? Um, and then, so after this, like Aaron said, essentially Mikey's trying to tell Jack, I don't want to go to the WWF with you and wrestle the smoking guns. I'm happy in ECW. Um, so then we go into a tag team match. It is Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck, the ECW tag team champions against the Eliminators. And of course, Raven is in the corner 
Mikey doesn't like the fact that Ray that you know that Raven's involved with any of this. Cactus has on his his pro WWF shirt. So there you have the story going into the match to set things up the way they go down as the match goes on. Oh, I'm I'm just a big fan of these fucking eliminators. <laughs> I don't think I even noticed any of that nonsense. <laughs> like I, I I literally like um, from the day that I met him in Louisville, I I told fucking hot dog neck Ian. I was like, dude, these guys are gonna be big stars. That's when they were working at Memphis. And when he when they got to when they got to ECW and I was like, dude, and then I got to work them. And they were like, all right, I think it was me and um I don't know, Hartgood or something like that. And um, they were talking about the finish, and I'm like, no, I'm taking it. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. I'm taking terrible elimination. <laughs> I let him do. I let him do all the other shit. The fucking hard good. But I was like, dude, I'm taking that nonsense. But yeah, I, I always, I always fucking love the eliminators, especially fucking Cronin. Saturn's kind of a fucking dog. But um, yeah, Cronus was always cool. Yeah, I, I love the eliminators. It would have been. It would have been great. And I guess you know. I don't know what you chalk it up to, whether you chalk it up to extracurricular activities or whatever, but I always think it would have been great if if Cronus would have been able to go with Saturn to WCW and seen them as a team there. Um, and then I never, go. I, I honestly never knew them. I didn't know them um, to be any like, like drug guys. I, I didn't know this. Like, is there anything that I don't know about this that I should know about? That I've just, I've just always heard that that um, that, and again, I don't know because I don't know him. But just in in interviews and stuff that I've seen with other people and things that I've read, you know, it's always one of those questions of why didn't why didn't Cronus wind up, you know, having a career a bigger career like Saturn did? And I always I've always heard that it was things that he did behind the scenes that held him back. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe he wasn't a wrestling guy, you know what I mean? I mean because I mean I'm I'm just telling you from per, my first hand experience mm-hmm. that I never I never knew any of these other guys. I mean maybe Cronus wasn't a wrestling dude, you know? Like that wasn't his thing. Because I mean I, I knew there was always heat between them because Saturn was always more serious than Cronus was. I knew that. That was that was nobody can deny any of that. But maybe that's the problem. With Saturn was like, oh, I, this is what I want to do, and Cronus like, yeah, well, I don't want to do this. Right. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I just want to have fun. Uh, yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with that, dude. You know. Aaron, any uh. Any notes or, or comments on this matchup? I have a little bit of detail down here, but I was going to see what you had yourself, what you caught. Uh, it was a, it was a good match. It had a lot of extra things going on in it and everything like that. But for the most part, I enjoyed it. Everybody was doing their job. Good stories were being told. And it didn't feel like it dragged. And um, I just I enjoyed the match. And you can tell that, I mean, 
obviously everybody knows, but like you can tell that they're getting ready to peace out Mick. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. like the writing's on the wall that he's out. So it's kind of like you knew they had to get the belts off of them, and these are the best guys to do it because I think they're their most over team they have, in my opinion. And if you're if you're telling the Go ahead, Chad. Well, that's what I was going to say. This the kind of your story that you're telling, and if you're telling the story of Mikey Whipwreck is kind of fighting with both Raven and the WWF for Mick Foley's soul, then this is the match where Mikey Whipwreck loses his buddy, he loses his partner because he's not willing to go. I guess go down that road that Jack is willing to go down, and Jack kind of lambastes him during the match in the middle of the match. Like if you don't want to, if you don't want to do things the way I want to do them, you can get out of here. And um, yeah, so they they kind of tell that story throughout the match of these guys breaking up their team. Dude, just just to pull the curtain back a little bit, a tad bit. How easy of a night was that for Mick Foley? <laughs> you know. I mean, when when somebody laid like laid the, the, the plan out for Mick, like this is what I want to do, and then Mick said, "Okay, well, I'll do all this," like for, which means I ain't gonna do anything. So I'm just gonna go out there and I'll talk a lot, but I, I ain't taking bumps, <laughs> you know. We're gonna I, let Mikey take the ass whipping, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's 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 tremendous, dude. That's that's, uh, that's Mick Foley probably getting in uh, about. About maybe six, eight, nine months into like figuring out the pro wrestling business, of how I can do how I can do a lot with you know by doing a little. Yep, and in the end, um, essentially, what brings the team down is Mikey still being the baby face because after all they're arguing during the match, there's a broken bottle spot, and. Saturn tries to, or either one of the eliminators tries to to stab a cactus with the b- broken bottle. Mikey saves cactus from the bottle, but eats total elimination and gets pinned, and they lose the tag team titles to the eliminators. So at the end of the day, Mikey's still Mikey's still the babyface. He still tried to save his friend, and then afterward, Jack fucks him and gives him the DDT and turns on him. Wow! All that in like thirty seconds. Yeah. They just damn, all right, okay. So now you got Joey Styles has got to digest all of this and then regurgitate it all to you people. You know what I mean? Tell you what happened. Fuck. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of shit in no, in no time. There was nobody, I don't think there was anybody alive that put a headset on in the 1990s that could have expressed what was going on in ECW to you better than Joey Styles could have. If what I'm saying makes sense, like there is nobody else you could put the headset on and say, watch this and describe it to the people and make it make sense. And (laughs) Joey fucking did it, man. And he was awesome. Well, that the best part is, was it was already, already taped. So Joey had Paul to tell him, how to make it make sense. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's no chance that when Joey was doing the whole, I'm at the ACW arena. No. 
you ain't making that make sense, dude. Yeah, imagine, imagine if it was still Jay Sully. <laughs> Why wouldn't Jay oh, he try? Jay Sully he tried when had, it was he. He would have had a coronary. Well, I'm saying he tried when it was kind of simple, and it drove him to f- sweats and drinking, so he had to go. <laughs> but seriously, on Joey, the best thing, the cool, like the other cool thing about Joey is too, like he kind of did towards the end, but. It would have been very easy for him to, like, you know, how do I say it? Be like the extreme, like, go along with it. But he, he's, he sold this extreme crazy shit as a actual wrestling commentator. You know what I mean? Like the suit, and he sold it, and he didn't. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he could have, he oh, could have. He also, didn't, he, he also didn't sell it as extreme as, the, as to the point where nobody had ever seen this before. It was it was kind of normal to him, you know what I'm saying? Like you know, I mean, some some of the stuff, you know, like the chairs in the ring, you know, all that kind of stuff was different. But for the most part, it was like, yeah, this is Philadelphia. Like, how many times did he say that? That this is Philadelphia, you know? And I'm like, dude, who wants to go to Philadelphia? <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> you know. I live I live hundred twelve miles away from Philadelphia, but if I know I'm going to Philadelphia, I get out of my car and somebody's gonna throw chairs at me. I don't I don't I don't want to go there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but Joey did a great job of of um of telling you like about the fans and about mm-hmm. this is this is the way we are, and which is great. I have no problem with that whatsoever. When we come back from what I assume was a commercial break, we see oh, we see uh, Joey Styles, and he is talking with the Eliminators about becoming the new tag team champions. Francine comes out, talks a little shit, whatever, and then but she's really out there just to distract the Eliminators. You know, obviously she's putting on airs that she wants to join the Eliminators, but she's out there to distract them so the Pitbulls can attack them. And that's what happens. The Pitbulls attack the Eliminators and uh, hang Saturn with a chain over the top rope. And then they cut Saturn's hair. Well, I mean, we all kind of know why. I mean, the pit bull was still there, right? They're only there because they need a tag team to the eliminators to leave. You know, the, the, the rottens are gone. Public enemy's kind of gone, right? At this point. Yeah, at this point, at this point, public enemy's headed to Atlanta. Yeah, they're they're in WCW at this point. Yeah, so there's no other tag team. So you gotta you gotta fucking find somebody. For them to be, and, and the Eliminators. I, I mean, I, I I've always been a fan of the Eliminators. I, I once I met them in Louisville. I was like, dude, I've seen your tapes. I've seen your stuff. You guys are okay, man. Yeah, you guys are solid. You know, whatever. And I've always I've always been high on them. And, you know, but. 
there there literally wasn't anybody in ECW that was as good as they were. There, there wasn't. They were they were clearly better than anybody in that company. So they had to work down the people. <laughs> you know, except for you know cactus and you know and high profile. Right. <clears throat> but you know what I mean. Aaron, what did you think of this segment? It was just, it was good stuff, and it was, like, you know, it shows that you can still do, it's still just wrestling, you know, like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, it's a haircut and a hanging, you know what I mean? Like, it's been done a billion times, but it still, it still works, so I enjoyed it. It was fine, dude. I had no problem with it. It was cool. So as we go away from that segment and we head into what's going to be kind of sort of a Pulp Fiction segment, we get a gangsters promo. And the gangsters are challenging the Eliminators, you know, that they're on the horizon to challenge them for the tag team titles. Of course, Jack is talking and Mustafa's just making noises. At least we'll crack. (laughs) Um, and I wrote down here, Tommy Dreamer, Candle Wax, what a goof. Well, I mean, you know, it's what can we say about Tommy Dreamer that we haven't already said? His attempts, I think that his attempts at this dark brooding Tommy Dreamer are what literally turned me off from Tommy Dreamer and I never went back because I can actually remember back before he started doing that shit, not minding him that much. But once he starts trying to match Raven with like the brooding thing and it's like, it it just comes off as this, this community college theater garbage that just is, it's so stupid. He looks stupid. Good at it. No, he's he not. Don't at do all. shit that you don't like. He he could have like I don't want to say it. The only reason why I subscribe to Sirius XM Radio is that I listen to Busted Open every day from nine to noon every day, three hours per wrestling talk, three days a week. We're supposed to get Bully Ray. One day a week we get. Um, Mickey James, and then one day a week we get um, Thunder Rosa, what, whatever, whatever that means. But anytime nobody can fill in or somebody can't be there, they bring in Tommy Dreamer. The fucking worst fucking episode of Busted Open or when Tommy Dreamer's on the show. He's not fucking, he, 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 he doesn't bring any emotion. Like, to the matches that he had, or to the show. He stinks. I mean, you guys, you guys don't listen, do you? I, I actually I don't listen to but I don't listen to Busted Open on Sirius. They have a they have a podcast that is like a shorter version of the show that I do I do listen to that. But I don't have serious, so I don't listen to the live show every day. But I do, I do get to listen to part of the show every day. Oh, he's terrible. Yeah, he is. 
I mean, it's like, it's like, it, 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 it should, it, it's almost like he should be like an enhancement talent on the radio. You know, give him an eight minute segment. You know, other than that, put him over three hours. Come on, dude. You know, I got things to do today. I can't be, I can't be limping around the house all fucked up, you know, crippled, listening to Tommy Dreamer talking about his. His days in ICW or whatever the fuck. Fuck. I got to find that shit. Fuck you, Tommy Dreamer. But yeah, Tommy Dreamer and Beulah doing a little promo here and with dark lighting and candle wax or whatever. Um, Aaron, did you have anything else on that before we move on? It was stupid. That's like essentially what I had. I was like, oh, this is stupid. And I'm not saying he could have still been suspender Tommy Dreamer feuding with Raven and remain in ECW, but he's going to stop trying to match Raven's style of promo. It's like, it's not going to work, dude. No, they, 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 they did it the wrong way. And it's only because ECW didn't have the time to allow them to build it the right way. That, that's what I've always said. I would have got behind Tommy Dreamer if he was, you know, the suspended Tommy Dreamer. You know, they got the cane, you know, and you know, all that shit. If they would have slow built it. But they didn't. They went right from, all right, you're a handsome guy, boom, cane, boom. Now you're fucking in a few Raven. Over you know, some fucking brawl that you fucked at a summer camp. You know, kind of thing. Like, they, if they would have did it in a slower way, that the fans could have got, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, fans did get behind it, but not the way they would have, in my opinion, if they would have built it a lot slower than that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and let you be like, man, why is this guy... Why is this guy getting treated like this every single week, you know? And then you're like, well, and he's like, I don't, you know, I don't understand why I'm getting beat up every week kind of thing. You know, it would have it would have helped him in the long run. Yeah, but I mean, lit, lit, literally the best thing he ever did was the please, sir, may I have another shit with Sandman. But yeah, they but it, didn't. It was, was short-lived. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like you were saying, they didn't slow build it. They didn't stretch it out. They did. They just moved him right into the stuff with Raven. Which I don't know if that was. I don't know if that was Scotty wanting to work with Dreamer or because I don't know. To be honest, did they did they have a relationship before they worked together here? Well, I mean, no, I, I I think that it was time. You know, the way Paul was working on on TV time. And and she like that. They they didn't have a whole lot of time to do all that. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I, I look back um a couple of days ago, I look back at old Continental when Eddie Gilbert booked Continental. And how they how they went and you you can see the crowd change from, you know, six hundred people to like a full house when Eddie Gilbert booked. And the way he booked stuff, and it was slow. It was slow. It was slow. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, but they kind of like they kind of rushed the Tommy Dreamer thing. Like yeah, well, I'm hardcore. Well, are you? 
Well, I'm gonna beat you up with a fucking cane. All right, well, now you're hardcore. I don't, I don't know. Now you're hardcore. Like they, they really could have put more time into that, but yeah, I, I, I don't blame ECW for that. I blame just time for that. They, you know, they, they didn't have mm-hmm. that. They had, to, they had to get it done, get it, you know, pushed out there to where they wanted it to be. That, that's what I, that's what I attribute to this. The only other two things that I have written down from this Pulp Fiction segment at the end of the show is we have a promo where Scorpio spends what felt like eight minutes telling us he's good. And then he eventually just kisses his belt. But I don't know. I don't know what the fuck was going on. But he was just kissy, 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 kiss, kiss, kissy, kissy. And then he kissed his belt. I'll tell you what I thought when I saw this. I was going to record this and put it on my phone for the Halloween um, on my recording when people came to my house. Because I, I, I live on a main road. So I'm not going to get a whole bunch of trick-or-treaters. But I figured that if I did, I was going to put that fucking promo on my fucking, on my record thing and just play it when they showed up. Even kids, 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 whatever. And see how many kids just walked away. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, oh, go ahead, Aaron. You look like you were going to say something. I I was just going to say, like, you guys are talking, like, because in this thing, we get Cactus Jack and Raven, then Shane Douglas, Taz, and Bill Alfonso, the Pitbulls, the Gangsters, Tommy Dreamer and Beulah, Raven and Kimona. And I'm looking at the, the timing. And they go with with too cold, and I'm like, are they really gonna end this with too cold? Oh, like yeah, out of yeah. all these people that I just listened ahead, they're gonna end with too cold. And I like, I wasn't expecting the eliminators to pop up, but I'm like, okay, thank God. It's like, oh, <laughs> let's let's put all these great promos. And Tommy Dreamer ahead of too cold, and just end it with this. And I'm like, oh my God, don't do that. Uh, I don't understand why they just didn't use the same. Too cold Scorpio promo from three years prior because it pretty much was the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a whole lot is said, and absolutely nothing is said. Nothing was said, <laughs> but yeah, like Aaron said, at the end, we get a, a cool, intense promo from Saturn. Um, pretty much saying, you know, do you think I do you think I care that you cut my hair? Do you think I care that you hung me with a chain? Do you think I care? Essentially, it's it's we have the belts and we're gonna fight and keep them. And it was an effective effective little promo from uh, from Saturn. I tell you one thing, I would give a shit. I would give a shit if you hung me and, and you cut my hair. <laughs> Like I don't know what I don't know what, what Saturn's problem is. Why he's so egotistical that he don't give a shit. But I would give a fuck. Is that why they do the mangles? Yeah. You know what I mean? Ask Bill Dundee. Ask Jerry Lawler. Ask Austin Idol. Ask that you know. That's why they do the mangles. Because you give a shit. Oh, I don't. I don't give a shit. They did like every Memphis angle in one spot. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, that, that, that's not killing the town. You know, that's just giving people that's giving people way too much. That to how you come back to it, you know what I mean? Dude, you do it one at a time. 
one at a time. You hang them first. Fuck. You know? Then you cut his hair. They, they, they beat his kid, his wife, his kids. You know what I mean? And they, they, they tore up his mortgage payment, you know? Yeah. They, you know, they fucked up his car. You know, fuck. They did everything in, in one thing. Even Jerry Lawler's probably sitting back there going, what the fuck are these guys doing? <laughs> well, overall... To, sh- to close out the show, what did you guys think of this this episode of ECW? Aaron? Uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, it kept stories going, and it didn't feel like it was, uh, it didn't feel like it drug out or anything like that, so I, I thought it was a good show. Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought it was fun. Yeah, I, I thought it was a fun show. I mean, not necessarily anything that I thought was a great show. I just, I just thought, yeah, man. You know, what, 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 I mean, I, I watched it in haste because I, I had little time to, you know, to fuck around to watch it before we had to go on. So I had to hurry up and watch it. But when I watched it, I was like, all right, man, yeah, this ain't, all right, this is all right. This is cool. You know, not a bad show. I, I hate them shows, Nate, when. I'm busy and I gotta do shit, and then I have to hurry up and watch the show, you know. And I don't feel like I have enough time to get into it. Yeah. But it got it got me into it, and I was like, dude, moving to it and Ray was fucking, you know, with, with something else, you know, like that was good shit. You know, a lot of other stuff. So yeah, I thought it was I, I thought it was a pretty decent show. I mean, I, I'd give it a solid. I'd give it a solid B. I'd say about the same. It kept my it kept my interest the whole time. There was never a point. There was never a point in the show where I felt like, like you, you're kind of alluding to Chad. There was never a point in the show where I felt like, oh well, I guess I can go fucking sweep the floor or whatever right now while this match is on or whatever. You know, it it kept my attention the whole forty five minutes and and didn't let up. And you know that's the point is you know keep the keep the viewers' attention and the show definitely did that. I, I especially consider it's on the network. Yeah. So if you watch it, if you watch it in real time, it was an hour of your life. You know. Mm-hmm. Just imagine it being that way. Like when when they when when they go to a commercial break and you had to go to the bathroom or, or whatever, you know. But now on the network, it's all it's forty five minutes. 42 minutes, you know what I'm saying? You just plow right through it. Yeah, it was, it was a solid show. All right. Well, listeners, I want to thank you all for joining us for this week's edition of Reliving the Extreme. Thank Chad and Aaron for joining me and hosting the show. And check us out on social media on Facebook. Check us out on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Reliving the Extreme. And I've even started uploading the shows to the WNR Podcast Network YouTube page. So you, if you like to listen to your podcast on YouTube, you can do that there as well. So that being said, we're going to... Yeah, we're an hour. Yeah, <laughs> we made an hour out of this. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week here on Reliving the Extreme.